But we'll be in Luke chapter number 8. And one of, the, one of the areas in my life that I have really struggled the most in, but God has taught me a lot uh, in recent years in, is in trusting God. I'm, I'm one of those analytical people, and many of you who know me would agree. I'm an analytical person. I try to be organized. And, and a lot of times I want to know uh, the five-year plan. I want to know exactly where my life is headed just around the corner. And if you're in Bible college, you've probably already realized this. God doesn't always show you beyond the next couple of steps that he has for you. And one of the things we really need to realize and really need to accept and learn is to trust God in those moments of sometimes uncertainty for ourselves. Uh, In the last few years, there's been some of those times where our our life has changed direction. And uh, in our church and in our ministry, and and now as we head out to deputation, and so many different turns that, that we take. And in each step of those, it's so vital that each of us learns to trust God. Now we're going to look at a passage that at, at first you may think, where do you get this idea from this passage? But as we, we read the Scriptures, I think you'll uh, learn to understand the lessons that are, that are found here that we can apply in our lives today in trusting the Lord. It was eight years ago uh, when I first arrived here at West Coast Baptist College. And um, I, I came from New York City. In fact, I made it late to college uh, there was a hurricane that came through. Several of us on the East Coast had our flights canceled. And it took me a week to be able to finally get a flight to come here. And when I got here, uh, all, this, all the orientation and registration week was over. And I was trying to figure out what classes to go to, where do I pay the money that I need to pay, where am I going to sleep, all these different things right before classes were starting. And one of, the, one of the most important areas of decision the first week of college has to do with your ministry. Uh, what ministry are you going to serve in? And there's a lot of different options. You all know that. And some of you have a certain pull towards one, like bus ministry or certain classes. Well, I got here, and a lot of those ministries were already full. And so I went to, I don't remember who was in charge of it at that point, but uh, they showed me the, the slots that were opened up. And what I ended up choosing um, from the available options was three-year-old boys Sunday school class. And um, some of you are probably like, yes, that's your comfort zone. That was not my comfort zone at all. And, um, but it was open, and it was just the way, the way things fell together. And so I started serving in that class. I served there for a year and served under, uh, you may know, Peter and Brenda Connor. And they're still here at Lancaster Baptist, a great family. And it wasn't long in the semester before uh, Brother Connor came to me. He said, I'd like you to teach next week. And he gave me the lesson book and what I was supposed to teach on. And for three-year-old boys, I'm expecting, you know, feeding of the 5,000, maybe something about Jonah or Noah. And instead, he handed me the lesson that was on the maniac of Gadara. (laughs) And I wasn't sure how that would go. It wasn't exactly my first pick to teach three-year-old boys. Um, Fortunately, in that class, it wasn't hard to have someone act out being a crazy man. Um, But I, I had the opportunity. I did enjoy it. It went well. Um, But I come back to that story. Every time I look back at the story in Scripture, I think of that. And yet the Lord over time has used that story in my life, and I hope that He'll use it this morning in your life as well. As we turn to Luke chapter 8, we'll start in verse number 26. The Bible says this, And they, this is referring to Jesus and His disciples in a boat, arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. Verse number 27, the Bible says this, And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils a long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, 
and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. Verse 30, And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there an herd of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Verse number 36, they also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. We'll stop there. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here at West Coast Baptist College. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you with our lives. And we thank you for the privilege we have to open your word this morning to read from it. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to take this opportunity for granted. I pray that you'd work in each of our hearts, guide us, and ultimately, Lord, I pray that you would help us each to learn to trust you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. When we read or we think about the storyac of the maniac of Gadara, as we often call him, it's, it's a tendency for us to think of primarily two characters. We think of Jesus, the one who's, who's doing all the action, and we think of the maniac himself. For me, I also think about the animals who, are, who died in the process, and I'm, I feel bad for them. But, but really, there's a neglected group in the story that I really think we do need to focus on, and it's the people of the Gadarenes. When we look at Jesus and the maniac, though, there's much we can learn. Jesus made the effort to go to the country of the Gadarenes himself instead of just sending his disciples. He made an effort to go into spiritual darkness himself to make an impact. He was entering, in this case, into Gentile territory. We can also learn that Jesus reached out to the one who had been rejected by his own people. Someone who, had, who was an outcast. He reached out to someone who was detestable for many reasons, for his lifestyle, even the place where he ended up living, for his appearance, for his religion, for his, his spiritual state. Jesus went, and I think this is something we really ought to learn, even here in Lancaster and for our future, he went to the undesirable. He went to the unlikely to want him. He went to the difficult one and the dangerous one. But he was willing to go to anyone to share the truth and to give them hope. And for us, wherever God puts us, we need to be willing, as Jesus was, to go to those who have no hope, to go to those we may not see as easy to witness to, to go to those who may even be dangerous 
to our well-being. But in this story, there is this group, the gathering people, that I think we need to include. You see, in the story, Jesus is really setting out to reach these people. And the maniac comes his way, and, and there's almost, it's almost just along his path, but he stops and he spends time with him, and you see really the story take an amazing turn. But the reason for this delay for this people in accepting the gospel was in part due to some decisions they made that have some similarities to us and decisions we make, often selfish decisions. This whole mission where Jesus comes to this area, the gathering people do not accept him. And he goes back across the sea without the gathering people accepting his teaching. And I think there's a lesson that we can learn there. And this, is, this may not uh, come to light right now, but listen to this. What we can do on our own does not compare to what God can do for and through us if we will just trust Him. And so let's look at the gathering people. Let's look at what they did and let's look at some decisions of trust that we can make. The first of these, and we'll read starting in verse number 27, we learn, we can learn to trust God in our problems. Luke chapter 8, verse number 27. And when He, Jesus, went forth to land... There met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tomb. Skip down to verse 29, if you would, with me, the second part of the verse. The Bible says, For oftentimes it, referring to the unclean spirit, had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. What I notice here is that the Gadarenes were trying to solve this problem on their own. And what we can learn from this simply is that they couldn't solve their problems on their own even though they tried. And the same is true in our lives. There are problems that we face that we try to conquer on our own that we do need help with. That we need to learn to trust the Lord with. The Gadarenes had a big spiritual problem in the form of this demoniac, of this maniac. And so here they are. They're trying to bind him. They're trying to, to separate him from where he had lived and where they were. And yet, it was to, to no avail. And what we see is that they had a big spiritual problem. They tried to solve it on their own. And the result of their self-reliance was simply failure. The result of our self-reliance in our own lives is often the same. We focus on ourselves. We focus on what we can do. And whether this is in college and in our own abilities, maybe in academics or sports or work, or whether it's even after that in, in ministry or, or just in life in general, we often focus on what we can do and we neglect what God can do in and through our lives. And so in this story, we see this reliance on themselves and in our lives and in our world, we see a reliance for ourselves for salvation many times. But if we rely on ourselves for salvation, what's the end result? Obviously failure. But the same is true in our sin and in the, sometimes the, the serving of sin that we get stuck in, that we get we get uh, almost, we're not in bondage to sin as Christians, but oftentimes we go back to those besetting sins and, and we try in our own self-reliance maybe to conquer them, but it takes trusting God. It takes trusting Christ to help us through these. And Jesus provides the solution that they needed. Scripture tells us this man in Luke chapter 8 had frequently been possessed with an unclean spirit. In fact, they call it legion, referring to the number a legion, many of you probably know, could be 6,000 soldiers. Oftentimes, it was down to 5,000. We see in this passage, 2,000 swine, 2,000 pigs. Regardless, there is a huge spiritual problem 
and yet the people were still trying to conquer it on their own. What they needed was someone greater than themselves. They needed someone who was greater than the maniac. They needed someone who was greater than the unclean spirits. They needed Jesus. And in our lives, whatever we're facing, we need someone greater than ourselves. We need someone greater than our problems. We need Jesus. But are we trusting Him? In our Western mindset, and I know this is true in my life, and many of you would probably agree in your own as well, we tend to pursue independence. We tend to pursue self-sufficiency. In fact, at the stage that many of you are in right now, in Bible college, you're just venturing out into adulthood, really. You've left your, your parents behind. For many of you, you just graduated high school a matter of a couple years ago. And now you're on your own in many ways, but guess what? With the problems we face, we really shouldn't be turning back to ourselves. We should be turning to someone who can really help us. We need to turn to Jesus. In our relationship with, with God, we need to turn to Jesus. We see this all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout Scripture. You look back at Adam and Eve, and guess what? Even in the garden, they wanted to be like gods. They wanted their independence. And the end of their self-sufficiency was failure. In the days of Noah, man lived according to selfish desires, doing what was right in their own eyes. And it's similar to us. We strive to solve our problems on our own, and the end result is failure. In the days of this maniac, the gathering people lived according to their best efforts, but these weren't good enough, and the end result was failure. We as humans still try to live according to our best efforts, but we aren't good enough. So when it comes to our problems, we can't solve them on our own. We need to trust Jesus. I'm going to keep saying that because I think it's important to realize we need Jesus. We need to look beyond ourselves. It's interesting in Scripture, we look, today we're looking at a narrative in Jesus' ministry. But way back even in the Old Testament, sometimes we'll find a, a passage that in some way parallels a story that we read and in some way provides some more insight, some more help. In Psalm chapter number 37, we see some, some help along the way in verse number 7. And you don't have to turn there, but we are going to come back to this chapter several times. In Psalm 37, verse 7, the Bible says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself. In verse 39, But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. Listen to this part. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in Him. We have problems that we face and the deliverance, as Scripture tells us, comes in Christ. But are we learning to trust Jesus in these problems? We need Jesus. We need the Lord. But sometimes, even when God offers help, we don't respond well. In Luke chapter number 8, in our text, in verse number 35, the Bible says, Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. So they had a problem, a very big problem. Jesus had taken care of it. But the passage doesn't end there. What we see is the response of the people and we see them not responding well to Jesus solving their problem. They didn't accept it right away. As we look, uh, as we look at this idea, I think it's important that we realize we need to turn to God from the beginning. The Gadarenes first looked at themselves, then God solves their problem, and again, they're looking back at their own desires, their own needs. Oswald Chambers said this, We tend to use prayer as a last resort. But God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do, 
But God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. That was a lesson the Gadarenes could have learned. That's a lesson that we ought to learn 2,000 years later. And so we learn, we can learn to trust God in our problems, but we have a second decision to make, and it's simply this. We need to learn to trust God in our responses. We need to learn to trust God in our responses. Luke chapter 8, verse number 34, um, we see that when they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. The maniac has been healed. He's freed from bondage, from the spiritual bondage he was under. In verse number 35, the people come, they see him uh, at, with Jesus. They found the man out of whom the devils were departed. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's clothed. He's in his right mind. And what's their response? And they were afraid. They see the mighty power of God on display, and their response is fear. And in verse 36, they also which saw it told them by what means he that was the possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And he, Jesus, went up into the ship and returned back again. The Gadarenes responded poorly to the love and power of God shown to them, and particularly to the maniac among them. Their response was poor. What's odd in my mind is that I look at this, this chapter and I see these people just lost a number of livestock. They've just lost 2,000 pigs. You'd think that they would be worried about the money they had lost. You'd think about the financial concerns, but instead, that's not their response. Instead, their response deals with their fear, their fear of this power that God has. They seem less concerned about the loss of the pigs and more just have a response of fear of his power. What's interesting is the gatherings now had a problem with the missing livestock, a problem that Jesus could have fixed. If that was their only focus, if that was their only concern, Jesus could have taken care of it. You think about when Jesus was being arrested and you see, uh, you see the story of Malchus and, and the ear being cut off but then restored. Guess what? When someone faces loss, God can still come through. Jesus can still come through. But in this case, they're not concerned about that. They're just concerned about Jesus Christ and about the power that he possesses. So their response is fear. The Gadarenes had a problem that they could not fix or restrain. And Jesus was quickly able to take, it, take care of it. But now they're no longer focused on their problem. Now they're just fearful. Now they're responding poorly to what God has done in their lives. God sometimes does things in our lives or in the lives of those around us. And sometimes our responses are not of trust, not ones of trust, but of selfishness. And that's what you see with the Gadarenes. Someone among them, a problem they had tried to solve, is finally healed, is finally fixed. And instead of rejoicing in that, they just respond with rejection to the Son of God. It's reminiscent in my mind, although it's a contrast, to a story in the book of Acts. You see, they see a great power in Jesus Christ and they respond in fear. Well, in the book of Acts, Paul and Barnabas come to the city of Lystra and there's a man who had been a cripple since birth that they are able to heal in the name of Christ. The response from the people is very interesting. They immediately start bringing in animals to offer sacrifices to worship the two apostles. And of course, Paul and Barnabas are concerned about this. They stop it. They prevent it from happening. But there's an interesting story in the, the city of Lystra's history where in, in legend, in their myths, a god had come 
The people had rejected him, and they had faced destruction as a result. And so now they were willing to accept Paul and Barnabas. They were willing to worship him because they saw such great power. But in the case of the Gadarenes, it's completely different. They see great power, and instead, they reject the Lord Jesus Christ. So I ask you this morning, how is your response to Jesus' work in your life? Sometimes when Jesus works, he takes something away from us. But what's your response? Sometimes God takes something, something away, but we should still trust him. How is our response when God exercises his sovereignty, his right in our life? How is our response when God works in the lives of those around us? How is our response when God takes something from us to do his work? In the lives of the Gadarenes, what you really see is a hasty judgment. Here they are, the, the maniac is healed, and instead of responding with gratitude, they respond in anger. In Proverbs 18, verse 13, the Bible tells us, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Are we willing to accept the decisions God makes in our lives? In Psalm chapter 37, back in that parallel passage, verse number 8, the Bible says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evil doers shall be cut off. We got this part, the last part of the verse. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. There's this idea in Psalm 37, hey, don't respond in anger to the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. What does that mean? To trust Him. To lean on Him. To wait upon the Lord. And so we learn, first of all, trust God in our problems. Secondly, trust God in our responses. Thirdly, and maybe most importantly, we need to learn to trust God in our direction. We need to tr learn to trust God in our direction. Sometimes the way God directs our lives is not according to our first desire. But will we trust Him? In Luke chapter 8, verse number 38, the Bible says this, Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him, besought Jesus Christ, that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. So you see the Gadarene maniac who had an amazing desire, an honorable desire. He's been healed and he doesn't just go his way, live his life. He doesn't even just stop to say thank you and then go on his way as we've seen with, with one leper. He stops Jesus Christ and he asks to go with him. He asks to follow him. He has a desire to be with and follow Jesus. But Jesus had a different plan for him. This man was willing to and almost begging to follow Jesus in his ministry. But Jesus said no because Jesus had a specific task for this man to fulfill. He had a different plan. But what's amazing with this maniac is first of all he was willing. And secondly he was obedient. It's sometimes easy to be one or the other. To be willing to go or to be obedient when God directs us, but are we both? Are we willing to follow Christ and are we obedient in His will? Do we have our heart right as well as our actions? Jesus had been rejected by the gathering people, and so now He commissions one of those people, the former maniac, to continue His work. And although the maniac did not get to do what he originally wanted, he was able to do what God knew was best. It's interesting that Jesus often told people to come follow him. 
You look especially early in the, in the Gospels in his ministry, you see Jesus saying, come, follow me. And you see the disciples following after. And at this point, instead, he's telling the maniac he should return to his own household. Countless disciples went or were sent by Jesus Christ. But this man was sent back. He went from breaking restraints and fleeing to the tombs in the wilderness to sitting at Jesus' feet. And what's significant about that is this idea of being taught by the Lord Jesus Christ. He went from death, from living in the tombs, unto life. And the maniac's life is completely turned around at this point. And the reason that the former maniac was, was to go to his own household was to share his transformed life. So much has changed, and now Jesus wants him to show it to his family. But let's look at what the maniac actually does. You see, the former maniac takes his commission to go and tell to its fullest. He doesn't just go back and tell his family. He goes a step further, and we'll see it in just a moment in verse number 40. The former maniac goes and he tells not just his household, but his entire city. And he goes beyond that to tell the entire region of Decapolis. What does Decapolis refer to? A region of ten cities. So he goes into this entire region sharing what God had done for him. I think it's worth noting that sometimes those with the most difficult background, sometimes those with the hardest past, are the ones most willing to follow Jesus. And I don't know each and every one of you, and I don't know each of your stories. Some of you maybe have had a difficult past, a difficult upbringing, maybe some difficult things God has put in your life. Many of you haven't. But are we all willing to still follow Jesus? Are we still willing to obey His will in our lives? In Luke chapter 7, verse number 47, Jesus told a woman who anointed His feet with ointment, He said, Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. I think that needs to be an admonishment to us because sometimes in our Christian lives, we kind of start taking it easy. Maybe, maybe we don't have the, the amazing testimony that we've heard from someone else, but guess what? God still wants to use you. Don't neglect that. Paul, we think about in, in Scripture, we see other examples of people who had had a difficult past who still turned and followed Jesus to the fullest. Paul had done so much to hurt the cause of Christ in his life, and yet when Jesus Christ called him, he turned it entirely around. But then you look at someone he mentored, you look at the life of Timothy, and you don't see someone with that hard background, but you still see someone who is willing to serve the Lord. And so regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've done, are you willing and are you following Jesus Christ? Sometimes God redirects us or someone around us in a way we wouldn't have chosen on our own. Sometimes this has happened in my own life where God's directed in a way that I didn't initially want. But when God does that, when maybe your first ministry position is a, is a change from what you expected, or maybe when you face loss in your life, are you still willing to follow Christ? Are you still willing to trust Him? In Psalm chapter 37, verse number 4, the Bible says this, and many of you could probably quote these verses. The Bible says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. But are we living those verses? Are we delighting ourselves in the Lord? Are we committing our way unto the Lord? Or are we living with ourselves in mind? 
I grew up in New York City, and uh, my parents aren't from there. In fact, a lot of people ask me, they're like, you grew up in New York, where's your accent? <laughs> I'm always like, sorry to disappoint. Um, but my parents aren't from there. I grew up around a lot of people from different uh, backgrounds with their own accents, and I just didn't end up with much of a New York accent. But my mom and dad grew up in different parts of the country, and my mom had the opportunity as a kid to travel all throughout the U.S., in fact, by the time she was an adult, she had visited all 48 of the continental United States. And on one of those trips, her dad had taken her through New York City. And they got stuck in rush hour. They're just sitting there in traffic. And she's in the back of the car. She's trying to look out the window, and she couldn't see the sky because of the buildings that were crowding in around her. And she decided in that moment, she's like, I never want to come back here. And it's, it's interesting because in that moment, she had no desire to be in New York City. And a matter of a few years later, God was leading her husband and, and my mom back to New York for ministry. But 30 plus years later, if you were to ask my mom how she feels now, she wouldn't want to leave. You see, when we commit our way unto the Lord, trust also in Him, He shall bring it to pass. So what's the previous verse say? Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. When we trust the Lord, guess what? Sometimes he actually changes those desires. But he gives us the desires of our heart. But let me ask you, are you trusting him? In Psalm 37, verse number 23, the Bible says this, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. But are we trusting him? When we look at this passage in Luke chapter 8, we see that Jesus went into a spiritually dark region, the region of the Gadarenes. The Gadarene people were failing. They were trying to solve their problems on their own. And Jesus provided a solution to their problems. But the people responded selfishly and in fear. The response of the people was to immediately reject Jesus Christ. And so at this point, it looks almost as if Jesus' ministry has failed in this context. But Jesus had made an investment into a single person. And when he was rejected by the Gadarenes, he commissioned that person to reach the very ones who had turned their back on him. But all throughout the story, we see these lessons that we need to learn to trust Christ. Sometimes with our own self-reliance, our pride, our selfishness, we can end up hurting the cause of Christ. But God still wants to reach into our hearts and into our own lives. God still wants to direct us. Jesus faced spiritual opposition and rejection by those he endeavored to share the truth with. Yet he still worked to get the truth to them. And here in our community, guess what? There are times when we're going to be rejected by those we're trying to reach. But will we continue? When we go out into ministry, there will be times when we face rejection, when we face difficulty. But will we trust the Lord? In Luke chapter 8, verse 21, Jesus speaks of his true brethren being those who hear and obey. And so what we see in this, in this very chapter, in Luke chapter 8, is that ma the maniac who now has heard and has obeyed Jesus Christ is really part of the family of Jesus. But I want you to notice a few thoughts. There are still places in this world, like, the, like Gadara, that lie in spiritual darkness. There are many places where the gospel has been initially rejected. That's what we see in Jesus' ministry. But there is still a great need for a light to shine in the darkness. 
It's easy to look at a place around the world where maybe Christians have been killed for their faith or missionaries have been martyred. And it's very easy to say, you know what? They've rejected us. That's it. They're closed off to the gospel. There's no use even trying. But yet God still wants a light to shine in the darkness. For the Gadarenes, it was one of their own, a maniac, who stood as a light, and yet you see an amazing turnaround in that place because one person is willing to stand for the truth. Who's willing to trust Jesus. In our lives, wherever, you're, wherever God guides you, will you be that one who stands as the light in the darkness? That even in the face of rejection, you will stand true to how God has directed you. The lessons we learn from the Gadarenes involve trusting God in our problems, trusting God in our responses, trusting God in directing our desires. When we trust Jesus in our problems, respond correctly, and allow Him to direct our desires, He works in and through us. And it's when He works in and through us that we really see a great change happening. And so we look at the end, we look at Luke chapter 8, verse number 40. And the Bible says this, And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received Him, for they were all waiting for Him. But what happens in verse number 40 What's the contrast between verse number 40 and the rejection? It's one person who stood in the gap, was willing to trust Jesus in directing his life, and was able to make an amazing impact for his community, for the cause of Christ. What about you? God's in control wherever we are. God is sovereign in our universe, but are we willing to trust him? Maybe you ask yourself, can God really use me in a certain way that maybe he's impressed on your heart? Trust Him. Maybe you wonder, can God really make a certain goal I have in ministry happen? Let me just say, trust Him. And be willing to follow Him every step of the way. God can do it. Will you trust Him?